On today's episode of the podcast, I share a little glimpse into what it's like being almost 39 weeks pregnant, getting very close to the end now. I talk about all the things we don't need to give birth and all the things we don't need to parent and all the things we don't need to be pregnant and unpack just this conditioning that we're brought up with that we need to buy a thousand things in preparation for labor and we need to buy a thousand things in preparation for parenthood when actually the less we rely on outside gadgets and stuff and things and people the easier it is to listen to our own inner voice and to know what to do, the easier it is to fully surrender and trust. Thank you so much for being here with me for this journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Let's jump in. Hello, my friends. Hi, welcome back to the show. I have to preface this recording just by saying that I am, I'm not sitting outside, but I'm basically outside. I'm in our little lake house and it's so hot today as I'm recording this that I just have to have all the windows open. <laughs> I'm still half, half sweating. So that means you might hear some birds. We have uh, tons of birds around. Also lots of geese that tend to cause a little bit of ruckus. <laughs> like they're really, they're really wild and they like to hang out right here on our dock. Um, I have little Ringo, my Italian greyhound, kind of pacing in and out, wanting to get comfortable and <laughs> get cool, I think. Just so you might have some just ambient, ambient sound here as we record today. So, uh, hi, hello, how are you? How is your life? How is your week? How's everything going? Uh, I hope, I hope you're feeling good. I mean, I always hope you're feeling good, but I hope, I hope things are flowing in your life right now. I find it fascinating how quickly we can go from a feeling of flow to a feeling of stagnation. And it's just what life is, right? It's just learning how to really ride those waves and enjoy the high without attaching to it, right? And then understand and accept the low without becoming hopeless and feeling like it's going to be there forever, knowing that we're going to get back to the high and then return to the low and most likely have lots of space in the in-between too. 
I am uh, definitely feeling <laughs> feeling exactly that. So this week I approach week 39 of pregnancy, which basically means I've arrived at that time where, oh, it could be any moment, right? It could be any day, but I could also have three or more weeks to go, you know. All I know, I think I can really safely say, is that <laughs> it's in, in a month I won't be pregnant anymore, <laughs> okay? That's the one thing that feels like, yeah, yeah. And I, I know, I mean, most likely, um, I've heard a lot of birth stories and listened to birth stories from women that go way past 43 weeks when there's no such thing as, you know, should be or time where the baby should arrive. But I just have that feeling just in myself, like, uh, yeah, in a month from now, like I'm going to be sitting here recording the weekly podcast, most likely nursing a baby. What? <laughs> it's so bizarre. I mean, anyone who's ever been pregnant, like, you know, this feeling how it's impossible to focus on the next phase of the journey, like as you get to the final weeks and days of of pregnancy, the, the, the thoughts and feelings around labor and birthing your baby, it's everything, right? It's like, it's everything and it's ever present. And of course, you know, everything we feel in our physical bodies is ever reminders of, of what is imminent, you know, and it's such a big journey, such a big thing. Um, I literally can't, like, I'm having a hard time even just wrapping my head around, like changing a diaper. <laughs> and I, I'll be doing that really soon, <laughs> you know. Soon, I, this pregnancy will feel really far away and all my aches and pains and worries and thoughts and anticipation and excitement, like all of this will feel long gone and it will be just like a vague memory because I'll be so immersed in newborn life, which is all-consuming, you know, the way end of pregnancy is all-consuming, but it's a different kind of all-consuming. And now I just, I can't really, like I'm not in that place where I can start envisioning or imagining or anything about the newborn face. I'm just like getting to the finish line of, of birth, right? And it's funny how we tend to think of giving birth as the finish line, as like, that's the end but it's really the starting line, right? Like that's the beginning. <laughs> that's the beginning. That's the beginning of a whole wild, new, crazy chapter. And uh, yeah, as I approach 39 weeks, getting, getting close to the end, uh, I'm really appreciating the fact that already in this pregnancy, I have had at least yeah, several more weeks of peace and calm than I had in my last pregnancy. When I was pregnant with Leia already from week 35, 36, I started feeling that pressure and that anticipation of any day now and was told a lot, oh, you know, your belly is so big and all these things are indicating she could come any moment. So I had so much anticipation for so long. And it was really kind of a mindfuck then, because really I had, you know, week 35, I had almost two months to go then. I mean, I had like seven, eight, seven weeks more to go, which is just insane, more, seven and a half, yeah, almost two months to go. 
And this time around, it's not until just now, like literally just now, like I'm getting close to 39, that I started having those feelings and those thoughts. Um, And mainly because I'm feeling some, I don't want to call them pre-contractions. I definitely don't want to call them Braxton Hicks. I just think any, any phenomenon, condition, I mean, like anything ongoing in a woman's body that a man at some point felt so entitled around that he named it after himself. That annoys me. (laughs) I mean, it really does. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. Like, you know, Braxton Hicks and this idea of like, you know, early or they call it sometimes false labor, like false contractions, as if my body is not a goddamn walking, breathing miracle and everything that my body is doing right now is purposeful. There's no such thing as false contractions or false labor. Like that is also a mind fuck to, to have that idea. You know, if you have lots of sensation early on or earlier on, it's your body preparing Right? It's my body right now preparing for birth, preparing for labor ahead, practicing. Like my, my uterus is practicing, literally. So to call it false is <laughs> minimizing and, and also not true, you know? And to call it Braxton Hicks after some dude, no, that is not what my body is doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But um, I'm feeling sensations these days. And of course, they're super mellow. Uh, It's not like it, you know, deters me from my day. I don't have to pause what I'm doing. It just makes me very aware of what's happening inside of my body. And usually it's in the evening and kind of if I had a busy day or I moved around a lot that day, then it's more intense at night. And... uh, Yeah, but it's not keeping me from sleeping or anything like that. But because I have those, and they were kind of, you know, period cramp-like feelings, like very kind of pleasant, you know. But when they're there, inevitably, of course, my mind is like, ooh, what's happening? Hey, hey, hello, hello. You you know, what are you doing? Are you, are you, uh, is this going to intensify? Is this, is this going to mellow out and stop? You know, you go into that place of like every bigger feeling that you feel, every feeling that's a little different. It's like, ooh. And I'm grateful I'm in that place now at 39, almost weeks and not at 35, right? Because I would have had a whole month of that kind of, yeah, thinking that it's happening. And of course, when it's your first pregnancy, like you don't know, you have no idea what to expect. You think you, you think you have it figured out. You think you have an idea, you know, you listen to podcasts and to people's stories and you watch videos and you do all this stuff. But like, we have no idea until we've been there in our own bodies, experiencing those things. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, um, yeah, I'm grateful this time around. I have a little bit more of a sober, <laughs> grounded approach to these final weeks. But um, I am feeling... Let me take a moment to see how I'm feeling like right here, right now. I'm feeling a lot. I am crying a lot. I am, you know, really going through those motions of every, every single feeling that comes my way just feels very big and very urgent and very, yeah, it's, it's like a, it, it takes me over almost. And crying a lot actually it feels so good. I have no reservations about just bursting into tears at any moment. Like I don't feel like I have to hold that back or explain myself or, you know, and the only people I'm seeing these days, it's like my best friends and Dennis and Leia. And uh, I don't have to hold anything back. And that's really nice. Or like, I don't have to even explain to myself like, oh, why am I crying? Or right? Like, I just know, like I'm highly, highly, I'm in this heightened state. <laughs> going through major transition, physical, emotional, energetic, like logistical, you know, this transition in the family that we're about to embark on. And it's just, it makes sense to feel a lot at all times. And I, I actually, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I can also see it in, in Leia, in my daughter, She's, she lost a tooth yesterday. Like this is a really great example. And she's lost, I don't know, this is her seventh or eighth tooth. Like she's lost so many teeth and she lost a tooth and she just freaked out about it. And every other tooth she's lost has been such a non-dramatic event. She just loses a tooth. Maybe there's a little moment of like, oh, this hurts a little bit. What do I do? You know, but like there's never been any, uh, agony or panic or fear around losing her her teeth and since you know she's lost so many already I would expect like now she knows kind of how it goes but she lost a tooth panicked about it felt really overwhelmed and then we had a whole moment where we had to really ground and kind of you know like settle like help her settle uh, around this and she says, and then later in the night, she was like, no, we put her to bed and then the tooth fairy comes, of course, like we, the tooth fairy comes in our house. I don't know if she comes to your house. She comes to our house all the time. And we are very into the mythical and the magical and the storytelling of things. And yeah, the, the fairy, like the tooth fairy comes, it's just like a given. So she puts her, put her teeth, her tooth in a glass of water by her bedside and how it works here in our house is... Sometimes the tooth fairy leaves her a little note, but it's written in like minuscule letters. It's like the kind of letters you have to use a magnifying glass to be able to read. Tooth fairy works very hard at this. Um, sometimes it has like a little glitter on it. Like, and it's always like a little, it's always just like a little greeting or a little story or sometimes a little encouragement to, you know, keep brushing your teeth really well the way she already is, that kind of stuff. And then when she wakes up, she, that the tooth is gone. And in place of the tooth, there's a coin. Is this every, is this everywhere? Am I, am I sharing something super bizarre <laughs> right now? This is just how we do it. Like this is, that's how, how it's, how it's been done. 
I don't know if the tooth fairy does the same stuff at your house, but this is how, how she does it here. So there's always like a, uh, in Sweden, we have these golden coins. Basically a dollar is 10 Swedish kroner. And there's a, a, a coin, like a, like a golden coin of a dollar in her, in the glass, uh, replacing the tooth. And then last night I put her in, put her to bed. We put the tooth in the water. She's really excited. Everything's fine. And then I go out to the living room and like half an hour later, she comes out and she's just in distress. And I'm like, what's going on? Did you have a bad dream? She says, no, I, I couldn't fall asleep. And I said, well, well, what is it? She says, I don't want the tooth fairy to take my tooth. <laughs> and she just starts crying. Like she just like crumpled into this little pile of tears. I don't want to part from my tooth. I don't want to leave my tooth. I want to keep my tooth. I don't want to let the tooth go. And she was just so upset and so scared that she had to part ways with her tooth. <laughs> and of course, I know this is this is very little to do with her tooth, right? And everything to do with change and with the fact that she's on the precipice of this, the biggest transition she's ever experienced in her whole entire life. And she doesn't know what that's going to be like, you know, and I had to just like really yeah, calm her and hold her and hug her. And I was like, you know what? I bet if you write a letter to the tooth fairy and you ask to keep your tooth, I bet she'll let you keep your, keep your tooth. And then she was so relieved. And then we spent some time and then she wrote the tooth fairy a, a note, like dear tooth fairy. And she wrote it so funnily. She wrote like, dear tooth fairy, um, please let me keep my tooth, but still give me the money. <laughs> please let me keep my tooth, but still give me the money. Uh, lots of love, Leia Luna. <laughs> and of course, she was ecstatic this morning when her tooth was still there, but there was money in the glass, right? Like Tooth Fairy read her letter and listened and like, you know, oh God. And uh, I had told Dennis, I was like, you know, this is not about the tooth, right? And he was like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, obviously this is not about the tooth. <laughs> But it was just, it's a good reminder for me, you know, the way I'm just, I'm not going to try to reason with that or tell her that, you know, the tooth has to go or talk about like, you know, there's a better tooth, a stronger tooth coming beneath that one. And we let this, you know, we have to let all the teeth go. Like, why? No, let her keep the damn tooth. Like, this is not a big, you know, <laughs> that's not a big thing, but it's a big thing for her. And it just gave me that really beautiful reminder to be that gentle with her, with myself, with Dennis, like with the whole, with the whole family, it's easy to get wrapped up in all the things we have to finish and the projects and the stuff and the logistics and, oh my God, the birth and the, you know, the, the, the doing and the thinking and the anticipating of, of what is ahead. And it just brought me that reminder of just the the thing we all just need right now. The thing that I need the most is to just ground, is to move really slowly, to be super sweet and gentle with myself, to just hold the family and to just be here. And all the things that I'm really trying to get done, which of course I'm still in that place. I will, I mean, I, I will forever be in that place. But the construction we have around the house, the, you know, projects ongoing to just let go. 
that's where I am now to just be a little bit softer myself and go, Hey, like if this, if labor starts, this guy decides to show up and we still have construction at our house, like then that's what that is. You know, he's going to choose to make his perfect entrance. Who am I to say, no, it's, it would be better for everyone involved. If you, if you waited till this was done and this was done and this was done, like I, I'm not God, you know? And I really believe that our little babies, even in the womb, they have a, a spiritual destination and a purpose and a genius and an intelligence and a wisdom. And they choose how they make their way into this world and they choose when. And maybe this little guy doesn't give a shit about our upstairs bathroom renovation. <laughs> and I've kind of been, yeah, worried, a little bit worried about that and a little bit stressed about that. And mainly, you know, I want people out of the house, of course, and that makes sense. Like I just, I would like to have some peace and quiet. I'm really ready for some peace and quiet, but it's not done yet. And there's literally nothing I can do. Like I can't do a single thing about it. But just be patient and trust and stay in my own body and, and keep grounding the way I am. And it feels kind of good to, um, <laughs> yeah, to let go of the idea of the have-tos, that there's something that has to happen. <laughs> I don't know. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. That is the night we were talking through the, just the last things last night, just little details. And this is small stuff that kind of feels big. And things you don't think about when you're, you know, if you're birthing at home, if you're birthing without medical um, supervision or medical interference, you know, we need to, like, we need to weigh our baby. <laughs> That's a no brainer. Like, I want to know what this little guy weighs. We need to measure him. We need to weigh him. Of course, we're going to need to take care of the cord and the placenta and all those things that come with the immediate postpartum time. And for those things, like, do we need stuff? Is there something urgent? Like, no. You know, we have one of those, like in Dennis's toolbox, he has a tape measurer. <laughs> but it's one of those metal ones that's really, it's like a really intense one. And I had on my list, like, I would like to get like a fabric one or like a, you know, one of those softer ones that kind of you just roll out so that there's no risk of yeah, of course, of the baby getting, you know, you know, which ones I mean, the ones like, that are like metal and, and sharp that are kind of scary. But like, if he would be born today, and we would need to measure him with whatever we have, like, that's fine, God, you know, 
And if he was born today, we have a scale. Um, I got a little scale, but it doesn't have the batteries. And it was like on Dennis's list to get the batteries for the scale. And last night he was like, oh, I was going to do that today. And I forgot. And I'm like, you know what? Like if this baby is born and we can't immediately weigh him, like that's also okay. You know, what's stopping us from like doing that the next day? All of this is fine. None of this is a deterrence or, a, you know, an obstacle to like why I wouldn't be able to birth this baby. No, there's actually nothing logistic in the way at all. And it's more for, it's for my peace of mind, you know, and of course you want to optimize the birth experience as much as you can and have what you need and feel safe and calm around that. But um, I keep, I'm always, you know, listening to birth stories and things like that. And women literally give birth in the most wild circumstances. I mean, with no preparation, with none of the things on their list that they thought that they needed to be able to give birth, you know. Uh, I just heard a story in a video about a, a woman who who gave birth at a hotel she was in a hotel room on her own. And I don't know how it happened, if it was baby came really quickly or if she chose to go to a hotel room because she wanted to be alone. I, I can't remember. But she birthed the baby in the in the hotel room all by herself. Placenta came and then she used one of her shoe strings from one of her shoes, one of her sneakers to tie the cord. <laughs> in the end, <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> And that just brought me that like beautiful reminder that, you know, <laughs> birth happens. And I think so much, so much of the things that complicates birth is this, our human mind and our egos wanting to take control of every little aspect, you know, and kind of have it be exactly the way we pictured it or have everything on that big list, you know, checked off or also this idea that we need all this stuff. I was looking at, uh, I have a little setup. It's in our dining room. We have a pretty big, beautiful dining room. We're not entertaining anybody right now. We're not you know, eating at the dining room. So I've taken over the dining table and I have just the things that I have collected that I could imagine that I would want around for the birth journey. And it's very little, it's like very little stuff. And I was looking at it this week, just kind of like, hmm, is this it? And I was, I was starting to get a little anxious, like, shouldn't I have mountains of things here? You know, I'm birthing this baby at home. <laughs> shouldn't I have this and this and that and that? And shouldn't there be like, you know, piles of stuff here to support me and to get me through XYZ scenario? And then I just caught myself and went, oh, God, no course not. I mean, of course not. It's just like having a baby. When you have your first baby, you think you need all the things, right? When the baby's actually born. I mean, I remember with Leia and, and I was sent so much stuff through social media, um, just people wanting their things marketed. And uh, yeah, I, I still get that a lot, but I'm very, very, very selective with what I accept. I don't want people just to send me junk, right? But then, even though I also used to be very selective about what I would receive, because it cost a lot of money to receive packages in Aruba, everything that related to baby, I was like, yeah, let's, I'm, I'm sure I'll need that. You know, someone is like, here is a, 
uh, a heated, like a device that heats your baby wipes that you plug into the wall and make sure, make sure that the wipes that you're using to change your baby's diaper are like a perfect body temperature for the baby. And we lived in Aruba. I mean, come on. It's not like we're like, <laughs> you know, it's wintertime in Sweden and everything is freezing. It was just also not the case because you're indoors. You're not sitting outside in the snow. You know, it's like a completely unnecessary thing. I mean, maybe you have one and it's like amazing for you, but I think just there's a lot out there that is just capitalism wanting us to buy stuff, right? And then someone wanted to send me that. And I was like, yes, of course. And I was telling Dennis, like, how else would we change this baby's diaper? Can you imagine being wiped with like a freezing cold wipe? And it's like, what? Like, I had no idea what I was, what I was talking about. Every kind of, you know, different kinds of baby carriers to strollers and weird stroller attachments and it's like gadgets to help your baby stay distracted and to go to sleep. It's just like a lot of stuff. We had so many things with when Leah was born and we used none of those things. <laughs> I mean, really, we didn't use, I can't remember almost like a single, of course, there's a few of those little gadgets that might make a big difference for someone in a specific scenario, of course, you know. But you don't need 200 different kinds of devices and pieces of electronics and gadgets and equipment, you know, to, 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 to tend to your baby. Like that's, that's, I mean, and I really think that that's, it's like a, it's like a trick and it cuts us off from that deep intuition around, like, I know what to do. I am the best comfort. I am the best support for my baby. And the more stuff we have, the more we're going to rely on some external device or thing or person to figure our babies out. And this time around, just like, no, like we don't, we don't need anything. You know, he's going to need some clothes. I have that. I don't know if we have enough, but I, I mean, if we don't, or if the sizing is all wrong, I don't know. Yeah, it's not like we can't go buy some onesies when he's here, you know. So I'm not at all stressed about that. We have some diapers. We have some cloth diapers. I don't know what I want to do about diapers. I bought a couple of cloth diapers and then a couple of regular like organic diapers. And then I have a book on elimination communication that I want to reread that I haven't started at all. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but that feels okay. Um, we have a little changing table. Like that, that makes sense. Uh, he has a crib, which doesn't make sense right now. It will eventually, but I know this is no way, no way he's going to sleep in there. And that's kind of it, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of, we have a car seat, obviously. <laughs> oh, and a stroller. Yeah, yeah, we have a stroller. But yeah, it feels good to not be overwhelmed and inundated with things. And as I was looking at this dining table with my birth preparation things. It re really was this kind of little realization of, oh, I am so, it's so ingrained in me that I need external stuff, that I need to buy things, I need to have things, I need to source things. I need, I need external support from something other than me to birth this baby. And that on its own is just a complete untruth. And the more my head is in that place, the less trusting I'm going to feel of myself. So what I have on this little table, 
in case you're curious, uh, or in this dining room, I have a Pilates ball. I had one with Leia. I remember early labor, it felt really good just to kind of sway sitting on the ball. Um, so I have one of those. I have, I have, what do you call them? So if you're birthing at home, say you're birthing in your bed, you don't know where you're going to end up. Like, I don't know where I'm going to want to be. Uh, if it's going to be in the bathtub, which is like a really easy, easy place to clean up, right? All you do is drain the tub, easy peasy. Um, but if you're on a mattress, you're in a bed, you're going to want some kind of cover for fluids and amniotic fluid and blood and all the, all the, all the goo and all the stuff. So I have those kind of like mattress pads, you know, like hygienic mattress pad things that I don't even know if we'll use. Maybe I'll be in the tub and then we won't use them at all. Like who knows, but they're there. I have like, what else is on there? Oh yeah. I have my gardening knee pad. And this was just a tip I got from someone and it made so much sense that if you end up like birthing in the tub, but you're on your hands and knees, your knees could get really fucking painful. <laughs> so, so to have like a little, like a little pad, it could be a towel, of course, but I have one of those little gardening pads for the garden. So I put that there just in case, like in case I want to use it. And then in the fridge, I'm going to have just some coconut water and I think maybe some electrolytes and fruits and just to stay hydrated and fed kind of throughout. Uh, I am going to put some pads with witch hazel in them, which is really good postpartum just for your perineum and your whole whole vulva, vaginal area. And putting them in the freezer could be really nice. I haven't done that yet, but I'm going to. And then what else? do I, I have a little tincture. I have postpartum tea, like the tea, the herbal tea I know I want to drink right after I give birth. And then I have, I have a tincture that I don't think I'm going to use, which is just like a placental support tincture if the placenta takes time uh, to come up. But that's kind of, that's it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and it's, and it was really, I don't know, it just kind of struck me of like, yeah, I really just am doing this on my own. <laughs> you know, there's not going to be some kind of person swooping in with a spinal tap, you know, to numb me from the waist down. Like, no, we're like, we're not doing that. <laughs> There's not going to be, and this is also the case, just kind of wherever we're birthing this idea that like someone, someone will take over and do it for us. It's also, it's not true, right? At the end, even if we are getting support in a lot of different ways, or we're choosing to have a medicated birth, which is also all okay. Like as long as we are the ones doing the consensual choosing of it, right? With knowing the ins and outs of what every decision means. It's whatever makes us feel safest, whatever makes us feel best. Like that's the whole point of it for me. But even in those cases, it's like, it's like, it's at the end of the day, we are still birthing this baby, right? There's no other human more equipped to birth your baby than you. There's no more perfect mother for this child than you. And somehow, you know, it's like arriving at that place of completely trusting in that. It can be very confronting. It's like, oh, I'm doing this. Like, it's me doing this on my own. No one's going to step in here and save me, you know, fix things for me, make things better. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just you and you're a little one. And, and yeah, and I kind of oscillate between 
the feeling of absolute simplicity of like, however it happens at the end, a baby will come out. Like that's literally, that's literally it. No person has ever been pregnant forever, right? At the end of it all, do you hear the geese? You do hear the geese. <laughs> I love them. They're so crazy. No, at the end of the all of it all, like a baby is going to come out. That's just what it is. And, uh, and it will happen, right? So I kind of oscillate between that just simple fact of like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go birth this baby. Like, what's the big deal? Like, what, what is the, yeah, it's just something that's going to happen that I'm meant to do, born to do, <laughs> that I am absolutely capable of. And I trust my body and I trust my baby and I trust the birth process and I trust in life, you know. And then I float into this other state of holy shit. <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? This is so overwhelming. This is such a big deal. How on earth am I going to do this? What if something doesn't work out? What if something goes wrong? Whatever that means. You know, what if this? What if that? What if I can't handle the pain? <laughs> my, my friend Olivia told me the other day, because I was saying, she asked me, maybe I said this already. She asked, like, what's my biggest fear? And I said, like, literally, I have no fear of something bad happening or there being an emergency or some anomaly, something abnormal. Like, I have no, no fear of that. Like, nothing, like, something bad's going to happen to the baby. No, I have complete trust that physiological birth works and that the way I'm choosing to do it is the most grounded, safe, sane way. What I am scared of, like my one big fear is like, I, what if I can't manage the pain? And she went, yeah, and then what? <laughs> and I'm like, exactly. <laughs> and then what? There's, lit there's literally no, no response to that. You know, <laughs> there's no, oh, and then I, I guess I'll go do this thing. No, it's like, like if I, the idea is the mere idea that like I can't manage the pain. Yeah. It might be unbearably unbearably painful and the pain at a certain level that I just like feel like I can't manage. And then what will I do? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going. The way out is through. And I so deeply, and I know this is not the case for most people, but it's the case for me. So that's how I know I'm choosing the safest birth for myself is that there's nothing anyone can step in and either add or interfere with or take away or do that is going to make my experience better, right? Or less painful or less intrusive. Like that option, I, I just know that that option is not there. And that leaving my safe space, even, you know, an intervention, like getting in the car, that's a huge intervention. That's going to stop the process. And even something like that, like it's not going to serve me in any way. And there is no magical unicorn thing that's going to all of a sudden appear to, to take my pain away. So we were laughing at that. Like my biggest fear is like, is really funny because yeah, pain is pain and pain is subjective and pain is what it is, right? It really is what it is. And the way out is, is through. And somehow, you know, then I kind of swing back into trust that like, yeah, like I can do hard things. I've done hard things before. And I know my preparation for this birth is not 
logistical. It's spiritual. It's deep, 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 deep surrender. And I don't get to a place of deep surrender by writing lists and buying stuff (laughs) and trying to control every single thing that happens or, you know, getting stuck in worst case scenarios like that. No, you know. For every single day that passes, I'm just like, I can feel myself almost like, um, I feel like a, like a clam is is a clam. Is that a thing? I feel like an oyster, but (laughs) why am I envisioning like (laughs) shellfish right now? I don't know, but you know, like, I feel like I'm just like closing in on myself. That's what I'm feeling. Like every day I am kind of talking less. I'm on social media less. I am walking around and moving and, you know, being super, like being less active. I'm just slowly, slowly, slowly sort of clamming up a little bit. Yeah. Going in, into myself. I, maybe I like the oyster version because there's a pearl in there, you know, sometimes. And you know what I mean? Um, I can even, as I'm recording this podcast, I can kind of hear it in my, in my voice. And, uh, this is my last couple of days on social media for, for now. Um, when this podcast is out, maybe I've already dipped out, ducked out. I don't know. And, uh, I don't know what that means. You know, if I just kind of disappear for a couple of weeks or if I check in once a week or if I, uh, I don't know. I will be back. Of course I'll be back. I mean, I love this community and I love sharing this journey. And part of me feels like, oh, I really want to continue sharing the end of the journey. Also knowing that there are so many people in my community pregnant with me at the same time. Like, I love that so much. And I feel so supported and so held and I'm getting so many, yeah, just so much validation. I feel really seen just being on social media most days. But then there's the thing that comes with social media, which is just the the chatter and the outside noise and the mass, like the collective fear-based consciousness, which was really intense, especially around everything relating to motherhood and to women's health and to birth and pregnancy. There's massive collective fear out there for valid reasons, like really awful things have been done to women for so many thousands of years. Um, And we are deeply ingrained and entrenched in these really harmful systems that are born out of a patriarchy and misogyny and repression and that doesn't actually serve the divine feminine and who, who we really are and what we really need. So of course it makes sense that that fear is there. Um, And I feel like even being on my phone, like I'm exposed to that. Um, So although I I really want to share like the last, every little part, you know, I won't. I'll share afterwards, you know, of course I'll be here with the whole story and everything. But it feels really good. It feels really good. And also I've realized one of the things that I do You know how some people have it, like Dennis definitely has it. It drives me insane if he's distracted or not, you know, fully grounded, fully present. 
he'll just pick up his phone and open Instagram and just scroll. And it can be like, you know, we're doing something. And I'm like, hey, like, what's happening there? Is this purpose? Is this purposeful for this moment? It's like, oh shit, no, 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 no. You know, it's just like a habit. You just pick up your phone and you go to the first app that you normally go to. But it's pointless, right? You're not like actively pursuing something specific or looking for something that you need. Or, um, and I do the same thing, but with my freaking email. <laughs> and it's a habit from just having lived in my inbox, like, and been the kind of. <sighs> like my life was dictated by my emails and my inbox and and all the big super important things that were happening there all the time which is not the case for me anymore at all honestly the big important information that I get I don't get through email that much usually then I get like a whatsapp or a text it's like hey this is in your inbox now if it's a contract or it's something important or you know and then I go to my inbox and it's there but my habit is if I'm distracted or bored or anxious, I'll just pick up my phone and I go to the email app and I swipe down to refresh my inbox. And I don't know how many times a day I unconsciously do this, <laughs> but it's not healthy. Oh God, it's not healthy at all. And I really feel, you know, because the reason I am on my phone, aside from talking to Dennis throughout the day or answering texts from friends, like people I really want to speak with and you know, I, it's because of social media and I'm sharing and then I'm on the phone all day, kind of sharing here and sharing there. And then I'm in my inbox and then I'm doing this and this and this. And yeah, I just, uh, I just know it's time to take a little break. So don't fret. I'll still be here every single week. I guess next week I'm approaching guest date. So I'll share <laughs> here on the show and I really hope like I don't even want to give this I don't even want to really give this little like you know I don't want to apologize or anything but I know not everyone listening to this podcast is stoked to hear about pregnancy and birth like I know that trust me I know that I just literally have no other choice okay I want to share where I am I want to share how I feel but even if I were to try just like try to talk about something else, that would be a complete lie and it would all be bullshit because every single percentage of my body and my mind and my heart, every ounce of me is completely absorbed in where I am on this journey and I cannot talk about anything else. So for everyone who isn't into this kind of stuff and you're still checking in here every week, thank you. <laughs> it's funny I really think our community here really flows I don't know I just I love that you're here listening every week no matter where no matter where I happen to be but I'll be here um, and I'm on the daily show so if you're not listening you know I have the daily practice which is Monday through Friday little five minute bite-sized episode where episodes where we do a lot of inner healing work and some hands-on practices every single day just to help us grow and to help us get a little closer to our own hearts. And I love sharing those practices with you. And the podcast is free. You just, you know, search in your podcast app for the daily practice. You'll find me. So podcast is on and um, baby is coming soon. <laughs> yeah. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I so appreciate you. And now I'm just sitting here smiling. 
I could cry right now because I feel so taken care of and supported just by you being here listening to me talk. Seriously. It is like, it's like a gift from God. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a really beautiful rest of the day and a wonderful weekend and a beautiful week and take care of your hearts. And I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.